Welcome back to Let Freedom Reign Podcast, the official equine industry podcast of Day 6 Ranch. I'm your host, Jason Swick, and on this show, we discuss leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship from topics and perspectives exclusive to the equine industry. If you are looking to build a legacy-worthy lifestyle, we encourage you to visit day6ranch.com and explore our free content, other podcasts, and sign up for our monthly newsletter. We thank you for joining us on this adventure. Well, here we are with another episode of Let Freedom Reign podcast. This week, we have an amazing guest and great friend, Mr. Alex Whistler of the Pony Express. Alex is an incredible testament to perseverance, and in a world that would be quick to place limitations on his abilities, he has never wavered from his ambitions to be a cowboy and a man of unwavering faith. Although Alex has worked with a wide variety of horses, he specializes in the development of safe and versatile horses that are able to do any job they're asked and do so with a willing attitude. In this episode, you'll hear how Alex is using the incredible skill set God has given him to bring value to the Western world. For more on Alex Whistler and the Pony Express, you can visit theponyexpressusa.com and view horses for sale, his incredible leather work, and horsemanship opportunities. As always, we've been busy around Day 6 Ranch with amazing opportunities we've never dreamt of. The weather has been hit or miss lately and has caused some intermittence in our work with our horses. That being said, we are nearing the launch of our Human Optimization Coaching Program. This experiential-based coaching program will be one-on-one and tailored to our clients' specific needs. The coaching will be done virtually, and a very limited number of spots will be available upon the program's launch. I am excited with the expansion of the Day6 Ranch community, and I'm very much looking forward to helping you find your purpose, maximize your potential, and do so from a place of peace. As many of you know, my experience lies with the warrior community. That being said, the lessons learned throughout those chapters of my life have been proven to be beneficial to those outside the warrior community. We are excited about this launch and acceptance of our first-class clients. To have first access at our Human Optimization Coaching Program, visit day6ranch.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and sign up for our newsletter. Again, we cannot thank you for not only your support of Let Freedom Reign podcast, but your diligence in sharing and growing the Day 6 Ranch community. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Alex Whistler of the Pony Express USA. Let's just start with what's new around the leather shop. Yeah, I actually got a bunch of projects I'm working on right now. Actually, um, yeah, you call it a good time. Uh, one, I'm working on a project. So every year uh, in Sheridan, Wyoming, we have the um, uh, leather show. Um, and it's kind of a trade show, but it's also um, they have a big competition where you can enter different categories of leather work, whether it be saddles or holsters or wallets, what kind of different categories. And so I'm actually making a pair of uh, shotgun uh, shafts for that competition, which will be next weekend. So I'm kind of in the um, the grind part of getting those finished and, um, you know, not trying to hurry, uh, but take my time. That way I do the best um job that I can, um, knowing that it is a competition, um, and stuff. So, uh, kind of really just focusing on that right now. So how detailed do they get as far as judging the set of shops? I mean, what are the criteria? What are the standards? What are they looking at? Yeah, it's pretty detailed. This is my first time in the shop category. I made a, I made a holster about four years ago that I put in. Um, so that's, you know, that's a little bit different, but the shop category, I mean, it's just, they kind of, you know, look at overall construction. Um, you know, they look at your stitching. And, you know, uh, for me, I'm going to uh, – each of the tops of the shop are um, partially carved. 
and then um, they're actually um, they're actually for Dan James. Oh, cool. um, so one of the tops, yeah, one of the tops has an American flag uh, painted on it, and the other top has an Australian flag painted on it. Um, so very, very. Uh, actually, I've been spending about the last week carving it and uh, painting it. So very detailed. Um, and very tedious, you know, once the kids were down, I would spend several hours at night just sitting there painting them. So, <laughs> yeah, I was, so was say like, the, I get, get the kids away so I'm left alone. And yeah, no the one work week starts anything, when the kids you know? go to bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So especially, you know, something as detailed and, and kind of stressful as that, yeah. you know, I, I didn't really want anybody around just so I could really concentrate. So, yeah, so yeah it's there's a lot, you know, you got to be really... You know, you got to pay attention to everything you do um, and stuff, especially because you're going against, you know, some of the best shop makers around. So uh, just really attention to detail. So is this yeah. show draw competitors from kind of the greater Wyoming area or is this a national, international type thing? All over the world. Oh, wow. International. So there'll be, um, you know, I don't, in the shop category, you know, who knows? I mean, they'll be definitely all over the country, but... Mm-hmm. You know, especially uh, in general, that competition brings people from all over the world. Lots of people from Japan, China, stuff like that, uh, and then just people all over the country. That's impressive. So how so, many hours do you have yeah. into those shops by the time they're done? Uh, gosh, that's a, that's a great question. I should have kept my hours. Um, I'll probably have, oh, gosh, I would say anywhere from... 15 to 18 hours, maybe. Oh, wow. Um, in those shops by the time, you know, even, you know, the carving uh, the tops and painting them probably overall took me at least four hours, Dang. I would say. And that's just a very small part of it. So you probably got um, the extra time so, into this because of that, that extra detail and the extra work? Or is that a typical set yeah. of shops is going to be 15 hours of work? Um, not Maybe not as detailed mm-hmm. um but uh, as fancy as these will be um they uh they would take about maybe just a few hours less than that but it takes some time anyway yeah. just because of the detail and stuff okay. yeah that's cool yeah good stuff we'll expand on the leather business yeah. here in a little bit but we're obviously here to talk horses sure. so alex i'd like you yeah. to kind of introduce yourself and some of the business adventures that you run and the horses impact in your life and we'll just start with a little bit of your history so the following can get to know you yeah yeah, my name's Alex Whistler, and we, um, you know, we run the uh, the Pony Express Horsemanship uh, out here in uh, Clark, Wyoming. We're about 35 miles northeast of Cody, Wyoming, to kind of north northeast corner, right on the border of Yellowstone. And we do kind of all kinds of different training, um, and we we'll, we train anything, any size. But um, my main focus uh, definitely is ponies, of course. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I'm only four foot five inches tall and about 95 pounds and so the pony gig kind of just fell into me into my uh, lap and i think uh, god kind of planned it that way so that's kind of my main focus is just training broke kids ponies uh, or family ponies um they can just kind of do all kinds of stuff anywhere from just riding around to to uh the bigger ones doing more like ranch work and trail trail riding and stuff like that uh so that's kind of our main focus of our business is kind of just making uh, gentle, safe horses. So your start with horses, though, was was very early on. I mean, from square one, it's my understanding that you wanted to be a cowboy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I I didn't get around actual horses until I was more 13, but the moment I can remember, I mean, I was absolutely obsessed um, with cowboys, and I, I was obsessed with the man from Snowy River when I was 
you know, four or five years old, my uh, grandma would babysit me during the day, and and I was I at least watched it once a day. Um, sometimes, <laughs> if I was nice enough, I watched it twice. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I was, yeah, I was just obsessed. Um, I dressed like it all the time, and yeah, I could not get enough, you know, cowboy stuff. I just, yeah, I just loved the lifestyle and always wanted to do that from the moment I can remember. So, what was your first? What was your first opportunity or experience where you decided that horses was going to be your thing and that's what you're really going to pour into other than a childhood interest? Uh, it became, we really got into it when I was probably around 13. Uh, my sister, she was big into horses and she had started, she had started riding, you know, dressage and jumping and stuff at a barn. And then she started actually exercise riding for a thoroughbred racehorse guy about five miles from us. So we would go over to his place after school and on the weekends, and she would exercise his horses, but he had like 40 horses just around. So, you know, we would ride and mess around with the horses, mess around with the babies and stuff like that. So that's when I really, really started getting into it. I really, I had, you know, going back to when I was little, I came out to Wyoming when I was four years old and five years old, and I got to really see, you know, real working cowboys. And that's where the draw towards that came in. Mm-hmm. Um, and from four years on till I actually moved out here, I told people that, you know, one day I was going to live in Wyoming. And um, I told everybody that, and I didn't know if it was really going to be real or not, but it was a desire I had because I really wanted to pursue that horsemanship and cowboy lifestyle. Uh, so, you know, it started at four, but it really took off uh, at 13 when we were actually were getting more hands-on with, with horses. And what I think is most commendable about your journey is that you don't, you want to talk about physical limitations and not letting any of those barriers hinder you in the slightest. I mean, you had to overcome quite a bit in the form of horsemanship and you've been so unrelenting in your education and your pursuit to truly become a professional. I think it's, it's so commendable and that you found your niche in a very, very equitable area, I think, because those pony sized horses are they're, they're difficult. Most people want them, you know, for their kids or adolescents. And you're able to take that expertise yeah. and your experience and really mold out a very unique, a very unique product. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, talking about that, you know, pony thing is, you know, yeah, a lot of people want them for their kids and stuff, but like you said, just an average sized person can't really ride them. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what tends to happen is, you know, we tend to, you know, they're small and stuff. So we tend to just kind of muscle them around and it, you know, sometimes it gets the job done and whatnot, but you know, my goal with them is to, um, I mean, to train them just like yourself or, you know, someone like Dan James or Chris Cox would teach a full size horse. Mm-hmm. And really, cause I think, you know, they have, they have all the same abilities now that are they going to do it as good? Maybe not. But they can be soft just like a big horse. They can, um, uh, they can, you know, respond off of legs and stuff like that. But that becomes hard, you know, for, like I said, an average sized person to teach yeah. them that. Yeah. Uh, which is where I think, where I think, like I said, I think God gave me that opportunity and that passion to then put it towards these, these ponies and really small horses. No, I think it's absolutely incredible. And talking about using your God given talents and abilities to further his kingdom. It's just, it's an incredible, Mm -hmm. incredible service that you provide. So in your horsemanship journey, 
you know, you started out with these dreams of wanting to be a cowboy and wanting to work the big ranches in Wyoming and things of that sort. When did you really start to dive into the horsemanship education and understanding the horse as an animal and changing your training or theory approaches off of traditional approaches to to the horsemanship? Yeah, that probably came. So when I actually physically moved to Wyoming uh, in 2012, I came out. Um, I My intention was to come out and be an apprentice in the leather shop. But, of course, that was going to be an apprenticeship, and it was going to be, you know, months and months before I could get paid. So I had to, I needed a job of some sort. And luckily at the time, uh, my now father-in-law knew a guy who had a boy's home uh, who was looking for a horse trainer. And so a horse trainer and kind of someone in charge of the whole horse program in general. Uh, so by the grace of God, I got a hold of him, and within, you know, a three-hour conversation, uh, he had a plane ticket booked for me to come out and start working for him. Oh, dang. And so, yeah, so uh, so what, you know, was kind of looking like it wasn't going to happen um, moving out here, you know, that job kind of came into place, and I, I showed up here uh, the day before Thanksgiving in 2012 and was in charge of training and riding these horses. And they were, um, to put it just bluntly, they were racehorse bred um, appendix quarter horses, and they were hot, and they were big, and they weren't really touched very much. They hadn't been handled very much. So that's kind of <laughs> you where... You talk about baptism was, by fire. Yes, exactly. Um, and so, you know, they were they were a lot bigger than what I ride now. And, and pretty wild. So there was a lot I had to learn, um, you know, myself and, and start mm-hmm. looking into like, you know, training and, and, and really start researching more, um, on horsemanship and kind of figuring out, okay, how am I going to handle these big X racehorses and try to get them calm enough to have a kid who's never done anything ride them. Yeah. So that's kind of where, like I said, baptism by fire here's your product and, and start working with it. And, uh, but, but I learned so much from that, from those horses. Isn't it funny looking back on your journey? Cause I can think of several chapters in my story where mm-hmm. the circumstances were less than favorable and yeah, you look at it at face value and you're like, well, there's not much good that can come from this. But once you're down right. that road, you look back and think, gosh, what an incredible experience because here you are, you have all these thoroughbred crosses who are next to not yep. handled and they're yeah. supposed to serve kids who have no experience working horses whatsoever. And yep. in a three hour phone call, I, I just wonder if the program is like, heck, we got somebody convinced to come out here. Let's just make a run at it. We'll get this guy on a plane and go. And uh, <laughs> yeah. they get you out there, but you end up being the, the asset that they need who can fill the void for those horses and get them trained up and get them confident and get them functional to where they can serve a purpose within that group home. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that was some of it was, uh, you know, they had had some other trainers and whatnot and, and I, and I couldn't tell you why they had gone off left or whatever, Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, I was, you know, I just, I really wanted to be out here and stuff and that was a great avenue to do it. And I didn't really know the situation with the horses, but but I showed up, and that's what we were given, and, and we made it work. And, you know, there was some probably uh, times where you were wondering what on earth you were doing, you yeah, know. absolutely. Um, uh, and, uh, and you, you know, you survived by the grace of God, but, but, uh, but we got the job done. Yeah, and it's funny, too. You think about horses with history, and 
I think generally speaking, a lot of people use the horse's history, usually negative history as an excuse, you know, well, the horse Mm -hmm. was overpressured or was brought on too fast or X excuse. But really when it comes down to it, the history, the history shouldn't matter. You know, you just treat that horse, meet that horse where it is and fill those needs as the horse presents them to you. And usually if you take that approach, I don't know, I just think I've done it. I've used the horse's history as an excuse to not get things done versus, hey, this is who we are. This is where we're at. This is where we're trying to go. Let's just be present and push on. So what are some of your experiences and takeaways in working with those horses that are, I would say, more of a challenge or, or weren't started properly? Yeah, you know, like with them, for instance, you know, they they had been rode, you know, here and there, that you know, but and then they might take a couple years off and stuff. So with them, like you know, honestly, we just took the slow approach, and 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 I almost treated them like I was starting them over, just so I knew kind of what I had, you know. Yeah. So from instance, from working them on the ground to then saddling them, riding them in the round pen, getting a feel for them, and just kind of took the slow approach just to, you know, see if, see whatever holds you had. Cause you know, even some of them and, and, uh, we kind of dealt with it later when I went back to that ranch again, but you know, they were, they were wild with their feet. You know, I think they had run out every farrier in the country almost except for one, uh, cause they'd about kill them and stuff, mm-hmm. but, um, just kind of, you know, figuring out different techniques to get, get the job done. And like I said, looking at the ones and saying, okay, this is the calmest of the group. So we're going to put the least experienced boy on that one. And just really, you know, um, matching personalities, I think was a big, was a big thing, you know, we had to do. A big win. So what was the goal of that school or what were they trying to accomplish there? Uh, so it was a boy's home. So like, you know, it was of course troubled, troubled boys and, Mm -hmm. and they'd come and, you know, they'd be anywhere, I think anywhere from six months to two years or longer, you know, and so, and the goal with the horse aspect of it was, you know, to do things like, uh, you know, trail ride, excuse me, trail rides, um, pack trips, uh, and, and anything like that. And, and what was good for those boys was like, um, you know, especially in our area of the country, there's some pretty rough country and a lot of the areas where we would ride, you know, you would have a stretch of, 30 yards where you're going around the rim of a, of a, um, of the mountain. And if you mess up at all, you know, it's a long way to the bottom. Yeah. It's uh, going to hurt. So they had, they had to learn, you know, you got to control yourself. You got to control your emotions. And in that moment, you got to be able to trust your horse and get from point A to point B without causing a fight. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you just got to trust the horse and know that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to die either. So, <laughs> you know, point. put your reins down and, 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 and put your trust in him. Yeah. And, and, and there, and like I said, there were some, there were some places like that where you really had to just, you know, you had to trust your horse. And I think for them, that's, that was for those boys, that's a lot, you know, for them to give up, kind of give up that control and, and be put in that situation yeah, the vulnerability is a big deal, and I think it's a, a universal mm-hmm. lesson that most of us can learn is that the horse offers us that ability to feel, and sometimes yeah. we, as human beings, do a great job of just stuffing emotion down and stuffing emotion down and stuffing emotion down, but that that yeah. emotion sits there and it, it wells up and it becomes almost white noise, 
in the form of yeah. anxiety and depression and you know trust issues, whatever the the physical manis- manifestation needs to be. But little by little, yep. that horse offers, and I think many of the listeners can relate that that horse offers the ability to kind of address some of those concerns or some of that white noise and start to unpack some of that white noise and actually move through a process in which you can you can grow from it and learn that mm-hmm. hey when you open your heart to something or you blindly trust something that no you're not always going to get beat up by it because so many of these kids right. especially in the disadvantaged youth in the world that they grow up in or are raised in going inside is a defense mechanism because the outside world is so mm-hmm. overstimulating and threatening that it just it it overwhelms them, it buries them. So what do they do is they put up these hard fronts. And if I put up enough of a hard front, then the problem usually just goes away, but it's never dealt with. Whereas you get out there with these horses and you offer these opportunities for these kids to unpack some of this stuff, they can teach, hey, I can trust a 1,200-pound animal. And when I trust a 1,200-pound animal, they take care of me in return. You know, and then you can start to bridge that gap. Well, hey, why don't you you add some trust in this life or, or this part of your life? Or why don't you add a little trust in this relationship and Gives these kids some tangible, yep. tangible life skills beyond horsemanship that allows them to grow to be equitable human beings. Right, exactly. And even just, you know, even learning, you know, the aspect of now you have something to take care of. It's an everyday thing. You know, morning and night, you got to make sure these things are fed, watered, and um, and healthy, I think was good for them too um, because it gave them, you know, something to do every day that you know they saw the meaning in it and then hey you you know you feed them water and you take care of them and we ride them and um so you know you work for it but then you get kind of a reward of actually getting to ride and do that yeah. kind of thing too yeah that's pretty dang cool man that's really cool so yeah how long were you there before you broke off and started doing your own thing so i was there i was there for i think about a year and then um and then ended up uh going to the leather shop full-time you know, in between uh, going to leather shop full time, and I actually went back there. Uh, like I got to think of when that was, probably around 2017 or 18, mm-hmm. and was there for another for two and a half years again. But um, but in the middle there, I was working um, in the leather shop, uh, and then I worked for um, some uh, friends of ours who are horse trainers um, just down the road. I worked for them for a year and a half. And there got to ride tons of ponies and horses and stuff. So lots, like I said, lots of ponies um, and then lots of horses as well. So of all your experience in working horses, what Mm -hmm. would you say has been the most valuable or what would you offer up to other listeners in the form of advice as far as experiences that they should pursue or explore? Uh, You know, I think, um, you know, especially like a young person, I would say if you're really getting into the horses, first of all, you need to, like anything, you need to be willing to um, work and 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 do it, you know, without pay or with very little pay, um, knowing that you know you are learning a a trade or a craft. Um, the same way that you know I came out and worked in the leather shop and I worked for essentially room and board for six or eight months. I can't even remember how. But in that time, you know, I was establishing that um, craft and that um, and that trade. But then also, you know, like horse-wise, riding anything and everything, I think, is a great experience. You know, whether it's, you know, for me, luckily I can ride ponies. But, you know, I've <laughs> rode anything from ponies to draft yeah. horses. And you really under start to, you know, see that every, every horse is just slightly different. 
Um, so I think, you know, if you're, like I said, if you're wanting to get into the horse world, I think just being able to get on any kind of breed or anything like that's just a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they're all so unique. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of the world misses now is that education has a pretty substantial return on investment and everybody wants a paycheck right mm-hmm. out the gate or get paid top scale. And sometimes yeah. those quote unquote free jobs, yeah, they're not putting any money in your pocket right now, but what they're going to put in your pocket here down the road after you gain some credible experiences is a, is a value that you would not foreseen if you went with that quote unquote paid job right out the gate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, you know, if I, um, yeah, if I wouldn't have come out and worked, done that apprenticeship, you know, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be out here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but you know, it was, it was nice cause they said, Hey, look, you know, you can, you can live here and we'll feed you. Um, but then, you know, all the stuff in the shop, of course you, you know, you got to get to a point where you're, you're benefiting the shop. And, um, uh, and that was huge. Cause then, you know, it makes you work harder for it too. And, and makes you learn the stuff to make yourself actually beneficial. Yeah. You don't want to squander an opportunity. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about life in the leather shop. And it's mm-hmm. gone from an apprenticeship, internship type deal to turning out some top quality leather and competing in international competition. So walk us through that progression, kind of how it started or your interest in leather and then how it has grown to what it is today. So I was doing, um, so I started doing leather work uh, when I was in college, just in our garage for fun. Uh, just hobby stuff, making some bridles and chaps and stuff, and really was interested in it. And then, um, and then got a hold of uh, Vaughn, my father-in-law now, and uh, and called him and and uh, was interested in coming out and learning more. And like I said, uh, he you know he invited me out and said, hey, yeah, you can come out and apprentice and and kind of live here. Uh, they had a bunkhouse; they could li- I could live right beside the shop, and so. Um, I came out here and and uh started apprenticing with him and I mean did you know started from the ground up basically almost like I had never done it before which was awesome because uh I was able to learn exactly the way he does it uh and and he had been producing leather work you know for 25 30 years by the time I got here uh so you know producing high end quality um holsters belts and stuff like that so uh, it was great to be able to learn, you know, how to make a high quality product from the ground up. Uh, so it was, you know, a lot of basic leather work from the beginning and then, you know, picking up, you know, how to construct something, how to pattern something and how to actually build a product from there was kind of kind of how I uh, kind of moved up the ladder and was able to start building um, his products Uh you know, small end stuff like belts and whatnot. And then now, um, you know, I've been working for him for, uh, this will be my 10th year. Uh, and, and I can, and do a lot. I do most of the, um, he does the real, real custom stuff. Uh, cause like I said, he knows guns and holsters really well. So he'll do the really complex stuff. And then I make a lot of the, just the normal holsters and belts and stuff like that for him mm-hmm. as well. I was gonna say, you got some stones, dude. You, uh, Go out to Wyoming. There ain't a horse you're uh, not afraid of, and then you end up taking an apprenticeship and end up dating the boss's daughter, and you're still alive and have a successful business, and everybody loves you. That's a that's a pretty good job, well done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, I always say, uh, um, 
Yeah, uh, I was going for job security and yeah, stuff, and uh, yeah. and now uh, you want to talk about rolling the dice? A, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could have gone two ways. Yeah, uh, he could have uh, really liked me and said, "Yeah, you can marry my daughter." He could have said, uh, "Well, it's been nice knowing you." Yeah, you could have been <laughs> vulture food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Now it worked out great. <laughs> good stuff. So, what what leather products do you now focus on through through your leather construction? Uh, so what I, um, in the Pony Express side of things, um, I really focus on um, all horse tack and kind of that field um, mm-hmm. from uh, making bridles to breast collars, uh, spur straps um, to shaps and stuff like that. That's um, kind of my, I, I can build, I build holsters and stuff like that, but my passion and what I really am interested in is, is tack and, and shaps and stuff like that. Uh, but also making, um, high, high end pony tack, uh, because I think that's a field that's uh, really needed because there's some decent pony tack out there. Uh, but you know, being able to build a bridle that you would see, you know, uh, any, you know, any horse trainer, anybody like that use that's high quality, bringing that to the pony world and, um, and giving and having that high end quality, uh, products that you can use for ponies is kind of another, um, thing I try to focus on. Yeah. That's incredible. So we got, we got NRS right down the road from us. I mean, it's 15 minutes from here and you go down to find a rope halter for a full size quarter horse, right? And there's a thousand of them to Yep. to choose from but we went and snagged a we have a mini donkey and a mini horse here uh trying to find a mm-hmm. rope halter or any leather product that fits them appropriately is yeah next to an anomaly yes yeah it is you know a lot of times uh uh you know you'll, you'll see a pony being uh rode around it's in a horse bridle and there's either about ten thousand holes in it <laughs> or or it's tied in a yeah. knot you yeah. know um, and I've seen it and I've used, I've, I mean, I've used those products before, uh, that people had and, um, and, you know, in having that leather work as a, uh, as a background and what I do, you know, if I have a pony that's tiny, I just go to the leather shop and make a bridle that I need that'll, that'll do the job. That's awesome. That is awesome. Which is really handy. <laughs> yeah. So dang cool. So dang cool. The riding good stuff. So let's talk about the Pony Express and how it kind of came to be. It's a convergence of a lot of your life skills and experience. So let's talk about its start yep. and maybe how you dreamt it up and, and what you have to offer people now. Yeah. So uh, I'd say it really took off in 20, okay, I think the one that was, around 2020 is when we really established it as a business. I had actually gone back east to Lexington to uh, Dan and Elizabeth James' place um, and did their uh, certification program in the uh, in the summer of 2020. And there, um, you know, we learned training and then all that stuff, but we also um, learned the business aspect of the horse world. And... And from there, we kind of really started building um, the Pony Express and kind of what it would entail. And and the name actually, um, I can't take credit for the name. Uh, uh, Dan actually told me, um, came up with it one day, and and he said, you know, he said you're doing ponies, you should be Pony Express horsemanship. Um, so he 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 gets the credit for the name, um, and it's a great name. Uh, but you know, in working with them and and doing the training and stuff. 
uh, it really kind of pinpointed what we wanted to do and what our goal was for the Pony Express, which was um, developing high-quality ponies that are safe for the family, safe for kids, and then on the leather side of it, having that high-quality um, tack and equipment that you can um, use for those for those ponies as well. Uh, so that was kind of the foundation of where it really took off and where we established it as a business. So let's talk about the training of the ponies. Are you taking outside mm-hmm. horses? Are you buying your own and training them up and selling them? How do you how do you navigate the training side of of your business? So we yeah we take outsides um, outside ponies and horses, um, uh, and then we usually have a few of our own that are um, that we're developing to um, eventually sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, like we had. Uh, we just sold one back in January that we'd had for for about a year or so, and um, it, it was a it was a little pony. It was only about forty four inches tall, uh, but we had you know been riding him, doing some liberty stuff on him, uh, and and our goal with him was to you know train him up to sell him and move him on to um, a family or something like that. Mm-hmm. So kind of both aspects. If people have you know a pony or, or a horse for us. Um, to work on, we'll take them in, but then also having something um, that we sell um, and that's available uh, for people to buy. Yeah. So with the in-house horses, what are some of the standards that you set for these horses or how do you evaluate these horses to know when they're ready to go to market? Yeah. So they're like for us, they're ready when, you know, we can go do stuff on them and know um, that they're going to be safe. Uh, Whether it's like a big one for us is like, can they ride out independently and, you know, essentially go on a trail ride out alone and be safe. Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's what people want for their kids is they want to know that when that kid is on the horse, it, it's going to be, that they're going to be safe, um, yeah. as safe as possible. And so, like, even for us, um, you know, we're lucky, uh, our son is six and a half going on seven and, um, and he's a great rider and, and, you know, we'll put him on him. And, and he, and see kind of how they, how they handle him. So, you know, I can, from the adult aspect of it, I can, I can train them, but then I can kind of test them out and see how do they handle a kid. Um, do I feel comfortable with him riding out on that horse? And kind of until we've established those goals, you know, we'll keep them with us until we know that, um, that the people, that they're going to be happy with them. It's incredible to see how you have, I don't want to say a foolproof process because that's kind of absolute, but you, you cover so many ends and so many benchmarks within that, that horse selection process as far as putting good quality training on that horse and then evaluating that horse and then testing that horse before that horse goes to market. Because I think so much of the pony world and the mini horse world is is a roll of the dice. You know, people see a, yeah. well, what they think is a nice pony and they end up buying it. Yep. And when you get it out and ride it in open country or in an uncontrolled environment, now you start to see that you bought yourself a fire-breathing dragon and it's not exactly safe when they're running your kid through a barbed wire fence or creating all sorts of bucking issues and things of that sort. So it's, like I said, I mean, we talked when we were at Dan's last time, I think it's cool that you're, you're plugging a much needed hole within the Western and horsemanship community by, by putting out these incredible ponies. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, like for us, um, and what I've noticed is one thing, like, you know, ponies tend to get a bad rap and I totally, I totally know why. But what I like to see in it is, is they really are a good opportunity to create independence with your kid because like, and I'll use my son as an example, is 
like one of the ponies he rides, he knows that he can go out there, get his halter, halt to the pony, catch him, tie him up, brush him out, saddle him. And now we always, you know, we always check his saddle and make sure it's all tight and all yeah. that. And then he can get on and go. And he can, he, he establishes that independence that, you know, with a bigger horse, you know, they can definitely do that, but it becomes more complicated because, you know, they may not be able to halt him on their own. They may not be able to throw their saddle up onto their back mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, you know, what I want to establish with a pony is someone that says, okay, my kid can do all these things independently and so they can gain that confidence. Because I think, I think kids gain confidence through through being independent. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's incredible, too, that you can, you can fulfill that independence both on the pony side but on the child side as well because I think, and this is just my opinion, when you raise kids, you got to let them you got to let them try the world on their own. Obviously, as a parent, you're going to yeah. set some form of boundaries there to make sure that they're not doing things that are completely unsafe. But in the same breath, you got to kind of let them explore and work through some things, make their own decisions, and and understand some of that learning process on their own. So, what not right. a better opportunity to say, "Hey, you want to go ride? Well, then go grab your horse and do just like Dad does." Yeah, you know, catch yep, them, exactly. saddle them. Yep. Let's go work them, and and for you guys, yep. riding them out there in the open country of Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. They can saddle up their horse while I saddle up my horse and they, you know, it kind of gives them that, that, you know, feeling of, you know, how I'm doing it just like my parents are and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's awesome. The world needs more involved fathers. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. (laughs) But that's another another conversation for another day. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We could talk a long time about that. Not on this show. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's talk about how people can get a hold of you should they be interested in the pony training side of things, the pony purchase side of things, the pony leather work, or, or Western leather work in general. How do people get a hold of you, uh, whether they're interested in the training or purchasing aspect of leather? Yeah, so they can reach us at our, um, they can reach us on our website, which is uh, theponyexpressusa.com. Um, on there we have... Um, any horses that we have, any horses or ponies that we have for sale at the time, uh, they're all listed on our um, sales page. Uh, you can also go and see um, what leather work I have in stock. Um, there's not much on there right now because I'm kind of focusing on uh, some custom stuff, but hopefully we'll start getting a bigger inventory of items we have in stock. And um, you can also uh, find all of our contact info, like phone numbers and stuff, um, on there if you're interested in purchasing a horse, getting training done, or um, getting leather work done as well. Uh, it's all, um, that'd be the avenue for um, reaching us. But then, of course, we're also on um, Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, any of those social media platforms as well. All right, Alex. Well, as we wrap every show, obviously, we like to leave some legacy type advice. So I'm going to ask a question that I've posed in nearly every episode. If you were to give previous versions of yourself or yourself in a previous season of life, some advice, what advice would you share? Oh, what advice would I say? I would say, um, you know, if you, if there's something that you want to do, um, don't look at kind of, you know, whatever your situation is. If you have a goal towards doing it, um, put everything, everything you can into establishing that goal. Um, you know, a lot of people would say I'm, not built to do horse stuff. I'm not really built to do cowboying per per se, but it's something I'm passionate about, something I want to do. And 
and I'll do anything I can to to do it to the best of my ability. Um, you know, I may not be able to do it at the level of, you know, I may not be able to do cowboy and work to the level of one person, but I can do it as highly as high level as I can, and and whatever it takes to to get the job done. Um, as long as you put your heart into it and you try as hard as you can, you know, you can get it done. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, that goes whether it's horses or anything. Um, it's however much effort you decide to put into it, it'll, it'll show. When I talk to people about setting goals or the self-assessment of goals mm-hmm. as far as an individual looking in the mirror and evaluating what are their capabilities in setting a goal, one of the biggest, most common limitations is the phrase, I can't. And they look at what, right. they, what they don't have or they don't think they have. And you, right. of, you of all people have every reason to stack that resume of I can't when it comes to horsemanship and cowboy work and, and mm-hmm. all that you've accomplished. But I say, can we start evaluating the same fact pattern and the same set of circumstances and the same goal, but instead of using I can't, why don't we focus on I can what what do you have to yeah. work with? Because that's our playing field. Anybody can make yeah. any excuse and place any limitation. That's easy to do. But when you have to look right. yourself in the mirror and say, no, I am capable of this, and this is the truth of the scenario, and this is how we're going to accomplish our goal, yes, it may, right. m- may take some adaptations. It may take some more mm-hmm. time to develop. It may take some creativity in the process versus conventional or traditional routes in pursuing a goal. But that's the one thing that I encourage people in setting goals or self-evaluating when setting goals is instead of talking about I can't, why don't you focus on I can? And when we focus on I can, let's start getting creative and start developing I can. And before you know it, those I can'ts will fall off the map sooner than you even understand. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And like I said, you might have to do it a little different. Absolutely. But but that's okay. You know, find whatever, you know, I'll use... um, so uh, a friend of ours, they had a, I think he was like 17 hand high horse. And my goal was to get on that horse without a mounting block from the ground. And it was unorthodox. It was messy. I was using the horse's leg as a fire pole, uh, climbing up. <laughs> That's but, my dog. But it was a goal that I wanted to do. And, and I wanted to get on that horse, yeah. you know, from the ground. Yeah. And, and you, know, wh- you know, whatever it is, you might have to change something a little bit, but you can you can do it to the best of your ability. Yeah. If if as long as you don't throw that I can't in there. And tell me if you've you've had this thought in your process, in your journey in horsemanship. Mm-hmm. So we oftentimes have our own selfish goals. That's who we are as human beings. Yeah. And when you look at we're gonna take the goal of cowboying for the sake of conversation. When you look at the traditional mm-hmm. goals of cowboying and the traditional jobs of cowboying and yeah. you start to muddy the waters with the I can'ts and you start to yep. explore your own personal goals versus developing your relationship with God and growing yep. your relationship with God and finding out what God's intentions are for you. Right. Do you think in your development of your faith and your relationship with God that he revealed to you that this pony space is where you need to operate and this pony space is what he has created you to do? Because I, I don't know, you tell me. There are very few people that I know of in the horse industry that handle the pony world as professionally as you do and bring as bring the amount of value that you bring to it as far as credible training and education. Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, uh, 
I, you know, 100% every aspect of my life, I think, is a God thing, um, from the way He created me to the opportunities He's given me. And I think even in that pony world, I think with the, uh, you know, from the long term, you know, from, from the desire to be a cowboy at four years old to where that has brought me in my horsemanship and the people that I've kind of surrounded myself around, um, you know, the horsemen and stuff like that. I think that's, um, I think God has put all that together kind of in the mixing bowl to then create, um, this opportunity and kind of this desire, um, and passion, um, that we have for, for the business for sure. Um, I think it's all just been kind of the big, um, you know, like our big story. And like I said, God's put his hand in every aspect of it that, you know, that's, that's come about. It's been dang cool to watch, my friend. I'll tell you that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been exciting. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, yeah. we're wrapping up here in a second, and I can't thank you enough for, for sure. coming on the show and adding your value and your expertise. And I encourage all the following to check out the Pony Express, and the website is theponyexpressusa.com. And uh, hit up Alex because he does turn out quality products, and what I know of him, if he's going to do it, he does it right. So I cannot thank you enough for contributing to Let Freedom Rain podcast, and we're excited to see what the future holds for you. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks again for joining us here on Let Freedom Reign podcast. If you are looking to grow in the areas of leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship, please visit day6ranch.com to see all we have to offer in the form of free content, podcasts, and material related to building a legacy-worthy lifestyle.